uh, family. I want to start off by saying uh, thank you. Thank you for when I was a child, um, this church raised me upright. Um, it's, it's sad to see that we don't have many more children in here. We've got my little girl. Uh, hopefully she'll, uh, you know, we're, we're going to raise her right in this church. But it was, it was the love of this church that uh, instilled the love of God in me, even as a young child. And like many people do, uh, I also fell away from God for, for a while. But I want to say that it was this Bible right here. Uh, that brought me back. Uh, it says, uh, presented to Ryan Poff, your grace brother in church family, May 19th, 2012. We love you. I love God so much. I am so thankful for everything. I'm thankful for uh, Him uh, bringing me uh, this church uh, as a child. I think I'm thankful for Him putting it on my heart to open this Bible, uh, the way He called me back to Him, and uh, back to you guys. So if there was any congregation that uh, I would love to, and uh, it's, it's my honor. Um, to be able to speak in front of you guys today. Um, but I pray that uh, this uh, message not only edifies uh, all of us, the church, but I, I only want it to serve one purpose, to give God all the glory. And I pray that it, it touches, uh, not only is it for God, but I pray that it touches the hearts of, of everybody in here, that everybody can have uh, just a piece that they could take with them. And I pray that this message not only echoes, you know, in, in your hearts, but I pray that uh, you find, I, you it echoes uh, through uh, your voice and that, again, you find a piece of this that will be able to um, help you lead somebody else uh, to Christ. Uh, so some of you guys don't know, uh, I spend my, my nights and my days on, um, on TikTok and, and social media, just trying to find uh, anybody and everybody to witness to and to tell them uh, that we have a Savior that is it is so amazing. He 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 gave us that beautiful gift. Uh, the Father sent His only begotten Son, and through Him sending His only only begotten Son Jesus, He lived a perfect life, and He died for the world's sins. He was buried and rose again. On the third day. Now, today we're going to be talking about uh, Mark chapter 10, verses 46 through 52. That is the basis of this uh, this message, and it's Jesus healing uh, Bartimaeus. <laughs> I might have to have Pastor help me just for a moment. Uh, Jenna, can you click on the PowerPoint? There we go. All right. So the uh, the setting of this story today, sorry, church, <laughs> the setting of this story today 
is set in Jericho. We might, okay. Now, uh, I, did, I did make a, or find a little map of Jericho. Um, now we have Jericho of the Old Testament, Jericho of the New Testament. Those are up in the left-hand corner here. Uh, next to the River of Jordan where Jesus was baptized, uh, we have the land of Canaan and the Dead Sea. Now, Jericho is also known as the uh, land of palm trees. So Jericho is the city in the West Bank. It is located in the Jordan Valley with the Jordan River to the east and Jerusalem to the west. It is the city with the longest known defensive wall, the wall of Jericho, also known as, again, the city of palm trees. Isn't that just beautiful? Uh, now, uh, in the book of Deuteronomy, chapter uh, 34, verses 1 through 5, it says, Then Moses went up from the plains of Moab to Mount Nebo, to the top of Pisgah, which is across from Jericho, and the Lord showed him all the land of Gilead as far as Dan. Now the word Pisgah literally translates to summit. So Moses went up to the summit and across from Jericho, and the Lord showed him all of the land of Gilead as far as Dan. Continuing on to verse 2, it says, All Naphtali and the land of Ephraim and Manasseh, all the land of Judah, as far as the western sea, the south, and the plain of the valley of Jericho, the city of palm trees, as far as Zoar. Then the Lord said to him, This is the land of which I swore to give Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, saying, I will give it to your descendants. I have caused you to see it with your eyes, but you shall not cross over there. So Moses, the servant of the Lord, died there in the land of Moab, according to the word of the Lord. Again, uh, Jericho, known as the city of palm trees, is all part of the land that was promised to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, promised to their descendants as an inheritance. Jericho was the first city attacked and destroyed by the Israelites after they crossed the Jordan River and entered into Canaan. The wall of Jericho was destroyed after the Israelites walked around it for seven days carrying the Ark of the Covenant. They walked around it once a day for the first six days, and then on the seventh day, they walked around it seven times. And I would encourage you to uh, read about that story in the book of Joshua. Now, after the destruction of Jericho, Joshua cursed any man who tried to rebuild the city of Jericho. Now, in the book of 1 Kings, chapter 16, verse 34, it says, In the days of Hiel of Bethel, oh, in the days of Hiel of Bethel built Jericho, he laid its foundation with Abiram, his firstborn, and with his youngest son, Segub, he set up its gates 
according to the word of the Lord, which he had spoken through Joshua, the son of Nun. Now this took place during the reign of King Ahab. Hiel rebuilds the city of Jericho. He laid the foundation at the cost of his firstborn son, Abiram. Then Hiel set up the gates at the cost of his youngest son, Begum, all according to the word of the Lord spoken by Joshua. Now again, this is uh, Jericho today, uh, but it's also... Yeah, there we go. Uh, it's also known today as or Tel Es Sultan. Tel Es Sultan is the name of the archaeological site, or it is also referred to as Tel Jericho or Ancient Jericho. It's located in the state of Palestine and is recognized as one of the oldest continually inhabited cities in the world. We know from the Word of God that it is one of the oldest cities, but it's great when science comes to back up that claim, which we all know to be true. Uh, also to know that it has been continually inhabited is uh, a, beautiful, a beautiful and awesome fact. Now, all right. Now, uh, So to know that there are all these places where Jesus walked, where Jesus performed his miracles, where we could still go and walk those same streets and, and visit those same places today. I have to admit I'm extremely jealous of our, our pastor, Don, and his wife, Marta, that they, and all of their experiences in Israel, and just all of the stories that they, they bring back to us, it served to edify us as well. Um, just think, uh, to be able to walk around again where he, he performed his miracles, to walk and visit the tomb where not only was he lame, but he rose incorruptible. Amen? Also to think, to be baptized in the Jordan River or even just a dip a toe in the river. I'd be satisfied. Just a dip a toe in there. Uh, the thought of it truly takes my breath away. Now, uh, the picture that I have up here right now is it's a picture of modern Tel Sultan or ancient Jericho. And it is overlaid on top of... So that's, that's a picture of uh, Jericho that would have been in the New Testament but also overlaid over top of modern civilization today. Just for uh, reference, now, that is Jericho, and this is uh, the setting of the lesson today. Uh, so let us continue where Pastor Don left off in the book of Mark. So, next slide, please. <laughs> this, this isn't quite working out for me. Uh, so the book of Mark. Uh, starting in chapter 10, where again, where Pastor left off, verse 46. I'm going to be reading out of the NIV version today. It says, Then they came to Jericho, as Jesus and his disciples, together with a large crowd, were leaving the city. A blind man, 
Artemis, which means son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside begging. Now, this is a site that uh, we're all familiar with today. Some days it's hard to find a busy intersection uh, without seeing somebody in need with a sign that reads, anything helps, written on a piece of cardboard or something along the lines of that. But Unfortunately, we see it so much that I think that we've become desensitized to it. But we need to realize that some of the, all of these people are human beings, and some of them truly do need our help. Uh, some are disabled veterans, some are people with disabilities that had families and maybe lost their families. I never know what uh, leads somebody in, in their paths in life and, and what really went on. But the, the, the main point is we all need to have compassion for everybody, not just, not just our brothers and sisters. We need to have compassion for everyone. And some of these people just need a little bit of compassion shown to them. But continuing on in verse 47, it says, when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Many rebuked him and told him to be quiet, but he shouted all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. Now Bartimaeus was one of those beggars who actually had a need. He was a blind man that really needed that compassion shown to him. But as we see with society today, many rebuked him. And they told him to be quiet. You know, sometimes that even comes in the form of, uh, let's lock the windows, lock the doors, and let's stare straight. Or even as some people, I, I've, walked, I've walked the streets of, uh, you know, downtown, uh, Colorado Springs, even, you see a lot of people that really, really do truly need uh, that compassion shown to them and, and see people tell them to get a job, which you know that they're not capable of doing. And, and it's just, it's heartbreaking to see um, how some people treat others. But when someone has a true need and nothing to lose, when someone has true faith, they're not going to give up easy. So we see that faith in action, and he continues to shout. Continuing in verse 49, it says, Jesus stopped and said, call him. So they called to the blind man, cheer up, on your feet, he's calling you. Throwing his cloak aside, he jumped to his feet, and he came to Jesus. So Bartimaeus knows of Jesus. He knows that if anyone can help him, if anyone can heal him, it is Jesus that can. It says that he throws off his cloak and he jumps to his feet. Now, I understand this is the, the wrong season and that Christmas is not about giving and it's not about gifts, it's about celebrating our, our, our Savior, the birth of the, the precious Lamb. But you know what this does remind me of? It reminds me of being a child on, on a Christmas morning. And I remember being a child and knowing that I have gifts 
waiting for me. I throw my blanket off. My feet can't hit the floor fast enough. And I'm running down the hallway. And my parents were uh, not together. But uh, whether it was to my dad or to my mom, I remember, Mom, 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 Dad, Dad, Dad. Just running as fast as I can. Surprised I didn't knock myself out running into a wall or something. But uh, it's that excitement of a child knowing they have a gift waiting for them, throwing that blanket off. Their feet can't hit the floor fast enough. They jump up. Again, I don't want to focus on the physical gifts, but I thought it was a great illustration of how in that moment I could imagine when Jesus called Bartimaeus, he had that childlike excitement to go along with that childlike faith. The same way that when Jesus calls us, we should come running. Continuing on in uh, the book of Mark, verse 51, it says, What do you want me to do for you? Jesus asked him. And the blind man said, Rabbi, I want to see. Go, said Jesus. Your faith has healed you. Immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus along the road. So not only is this story a beautiful representation of the compassion that Jesus had for Bartimaeus, but I would like to take a look at this from a different perspective. I would like to talk about spiritual blindness. So before we put our faith into Jesus, specifically believing that he died for our sins, he lived that perfect life, he died for the world's sins, he was buried and that he rose again on the third day. When we put our faith in that, we are saved. We are healed. Now, before we put our faith in that gospel, we are lost and we ourselves are blind. Now, this reminds me of the beautiful rendition of Amazing Grace that we received last week. <laughs> no, don't. <laughs> It was beautiful, and I'm, I'm, I'm thankful that we all got to hear it. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. When it comes to spiritual blindness, some are just kind of blind. Now, don't look at this uh, picture here too long, because you might actually go blind. Jenna, can I get the next slide? Now, uh, some people walk around in the world like this. They aren't completely blind. But we looking at, at this can admit it's pretty bad. Uh, they get by. They can make out figures. They see shapes, and some of them think there's absolutely nothing wrong with their sight. I know when I wake up in the morning, before I put on my glasses, I think I can see. And that's about what it looks like. I can't, I can't even see that TV back there, even with my glasses. I need to get my prescription checked. 
But some of us that wear glasses, I see a few of us in here, we probably experienced something like this. Uh, especially growing up in school. Everybody wants to take your glasses and try them on. I know there's plenty of people that, that they thought that they had great vision, but as a joker, just to see what my eyes were like, they wanted to take my glasses and put them on. First thing they do is, wow, I can see. Your eyes, your eyes can't be that bad. You know, these are perfect. These are my prescription. What, what, what's your prescription? I know we've all, anyone with glasses has experienced that. I see some heads nodding. And again, it's, it's always the response. These are perfect. Well, actually, my eyes are horrible, and apparently, so are yours. Sometimes, if we aren't that blind, we don't know how bad off we are until we know how good our sight can be. Just like our eyes, even if we don't think our actions or our sins are that bad, until we have God, until we have Jesus, until we choose to walk in that Spirit, the newness of the Spirit, we, we choose to walk in that, that new creation that we are. We have no idea how blind we actually were. To be accepted, we must put our faith in Jesus and know that He is the only way to true correction. Now, He will give you new eyes. And He, as in Jesus, will give you a new heart. Amen? Now, then there's some people that are just completely spiritually blind. Pitch black, and they're consumed with the darkness of this world. Now, let's take a look to the book of John, chapter 1. John chapter 1, verses 4 through 5. I'm going to be reading this out of the King James uh, Bible. It says in verse 4, it says, In him was life, and the life was the light of men. Verse 5 says, And the light shineth, shines in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. So, the light shines in darkness, and the darkness cannot comprehend that beautiful light. Now, even though those in the dark can't always understand the light, the good, Jesus, God, it does not say that the light cannot comprehend the dark. The good can absolutely see the bad for what it is. Now, in John chapter 8, verse 12, it says, Then Jesus spoke to them again, saying, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. Jesus is that light. Now, 
I'm so thankful that he is that light that brought us out of darkness. Now, this picture was actually taken, uh, I chose this picture from Facebook. It was actually one of my friends on Facebook. And the picture, or the, the person that took this picture, his name is Donnie, Donnie King. And Donnie, the reason how I met Donnie is, I, I say, I, I, it started off I was singing on TikTok. I was just worshiping God and, and trying to be just, you know, just that moment where people can just stop for a minute uh, at night. And actually, I usually sing uh, our time around uh, 7, 8 o'clock to kind of get the, the people around here and, and in the U.S., you know, a moment to, to worship God and, and just to stop and, and focus on God instead of focusing on all the things that they did throughout their days, you know, going to work, rough day. And there was one night where I just decided I'm not going, I'm, I'm not going to sing then. I'm going to stay up till, I'm going to start my, my little concert. And I sang about 30 songs. And I, I started at about 1 o'clock in the morning. And my goal was to reach the other people on the other side of the world that wouldn't normally be up uh, during this time, or or that would be a new people, uh, you know, a new con congregation, if you will, of me to be able to sing to. But that night, I met Donnie, who lives here. Uh, he's, I think, I believe it's in Kentucky. And I was singing No Longer Slaves. It was right after we learned uh, that song. And we sang it for uh, the week that I uh, got married to my beautiful wife. And I was singing that song. And Donnie comes on and starts asking me questions about who can be saved. And he was talking about how he had just got out of jail a couple months prior, and he didn't believe that he was worthy of salvation. He didn't believe that Jesus' grace and the salvation that Jesus brings to us, that it extended to him. So I, I truly believe that my purpose that night was to, to reach Donnie, and I explained to him that there's nothing that you could do there's nothing you could say that you could outsin grace. Jesus died for the world's sins. He died for every sin that was in the world. And I'm so glad that I met him that night because now he himself gets on every single night, probably more than I get on. And he, he, he's been in the Word almost every single day since. He, he witnesses to anybody that'll hear um, to the point where he's getting blocked constantly on social media just because of his love for for Jesus and and I am so proud of of just the person that he's become because he put his trust into Jesus so that's sorry that that was a little uh, side story about about Donnie and Donnie took this picture I guess he was uh, he was exploring caves and he took this picture right here, and I, I, I saw this, and, and I thought that this was just a beautiful representation, and I asked him, can I please put this in my message this week? So as you can see, there's, there's 
an opening to this cave. And there's a narrow path. And everything else is pitch black. So that, to me, represents exactly what I'm speaking of here. This is, this is our blindness that we once had. And we know that the path to salvation is narrow. But the, the path to destruction is wide. Now, the other thing I love about this picture is most people looking at this picture, that, that uh, entrance doesn't look like many of us can fit through it, right? Now, I guess that the angle that he took this picture is deceiving. So the picture, or the angle of this picture shows this, this entrance that not in, many of us will look at it and we don't think that we could fit through it, but... I guess it's big enough for uh, a 400-pound man to walk through. And that is, that's exactly a perfect re representation of Christ, right? The path to, to Christ is narrow. The, most people see it as, I can't, I can't fit through that hole. I can't fit in salvation. That does not look like that is part of my life. I, that's not my journey. I cannot go there until you walk that journey, until you put your faith to that path, until you put your faith in Christ. And then you realize that was the way out. I guess that was the only way out. There was no other entrance or exit to that cave. That was the exit to that cave. And that is, that is what... Um, what this picture represented to me, that is Jesus, that is the narrow way. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And when we put our faith in Jesus, even though we don't always seem or we don't always think that we can fit in that, we don't fit that mold, that's exactly the mold that you fit. That is, you are exactly who Jesus came and died for. So, uh, next slide, please. Now, not everyone can comprehend that they need Jesus, remember, and the darkness could not comprehend the light. But not everyone can comprehend that they need Jesus in the moment. Now, I'm sure we've all experienced it. We try to witness to someone who is having a rough go at life. Uh, maybe they're consumed with darkness. Maybe they're consumed with something like addiction that they, they, they just feel like they're drowning in and that there's no hope for them. But you know the power of Jesus. You know that Jesus can heal them. But they don't want him. And no matter how hard you try, they fight back every step of the way. Or they feel like giving up seems like the easiest solution. Now sometimes you just want to shake that spirit into them. No. Believe in Jesus. Please. And sometimes it's heartbreaking to know that you know again that Jesus can heal them. You know that if they put their faith in Jesus, that they will get that new spirit. They will, they will see life through new eyes. They will see life through that new heart. But we can't shake it into them. It has to be a personal choice. Sometimes all we can do is sow a seed, and sometimes all we can do is plant that seed by giving them the gospel, giving them the, the way out. 
But remember, Jesus is the one who saves. We just serve as ministers, essentially, of that word of reconciliation. And just a side note, uh, again, I think I believe Pastor talked about this last week. We can all be ministers. Up here, when we're up here singing, this is a ministry. We are serving God. We are serving God. We are serving God's people. Uh, when any of us get up here and, and talk in front of a congregation, or just anybody, it doesn't have to be standing here talking in front of a congregation. You could be on the street talking to the, the person that just walked by you, the person walking into uh, Walmart. Now, we, Pastor Don was talking to us about how uh, he, he drives for Uber some days, and, and he, he prays for his passengers. You know, me and Christy went to, uh, we went to uh, Chick-fil-A yesterday, and for some reason, I just I, I, I wanted to pray for the woman at the window. I know they, they want to get you out of there. They want, they want you in and out. But I, I, had to, I had to stop and ask, is there anything that I can pray for you about? And she said, well, I'm not sure. That's a good question. Uh, let, me, let me think about it. And she's getting our food. And then, and then she turns around, and she, it, it, you could see the light come over her. And she says, yeah, can you please pray for my father? Absolutely. And I stopped right then and there, and, and, I, and I prayed for, for her father and, and that he could, uh, he could come to know Jesus. That's what she asked for us to pray about. And then I prayed uh, for her, and, I, and I, I hope that she had a great, uh, great rest of her day and that she continues her walk in Christ. But we don't have to hold a position minister to somebody. Ministry, again, to minister to someone means to be a servant, to be a servant of God or to serve his people. So what we do, um, whether it's by a prayer and, and just trying to lift somebody's day up, when we give them that gospel that Christ died for their sins, was buried and rose again on the third day, that's planting that seed and sometimes all we can do after we plant that seed is stand back and hope and pray that it grows. Because sometimes, uh, I don't know if anybody here has a green thumb or not. Uh, I don't. <laughs> but when you plant a seed or a plant starts to grow, if you handle it too much, or even if you're, you think you're doing the right thing and you water it too much, what happens? It drowns. Right? So sometimes all we can do is plant that seed, give them uh, the word of God, give them the word of reconciliation, give them that gospel of Jesus Christ, and just take a step back. Because remember, it's, it's God, it's Jesus who saves, and it's, it's not us. That's, but we've, we've done our job, and we've, it's, we, should, we should be preaching the gospel to all of God's creatures. But again, sometimes if you push too hard, if you try to nurture it too much, you're going to get pushed back. So there are times when the best thing to do is just take a step back and let God and let Jesus do what Jesus does, and Jesus saves. So we are ambassadors for Christ, and we should tell them about Jesus. We should give them that gospel and pray for them. Now let us continue in the book of John, and let's move to chapter 3. 
And we're going to read a verse that I'm sure we all know and love, John 3.16. I'm going to continue on to verse uh, 21. So it says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever, whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Now, with this uh, being Colorado, I'm sure you have uh, some Bronco fans in here, and I'm sure they remember Tim Tebow. Now, I'm not going to be up here talking about football, but uh, this is one great thing that he did, was he witnessed to the whole world and professed his love for Christ. Now, uh, one thing I do want to talk about is the eye black that he's wearing here. So what eye black is, is the, it's that black streaks under their eyes. And as a football player, uh, I... I did uh, used to play, and we used to use the, the eye black uh, for the sole purpose of distracting someone's eyes. You either put on, it's, it's almost equivalent to like women's lipstick, if <laughs> you put that under your eyes, or it's actually a sticker that you place under there. What, what Tim Tebow did was uh, he would write John 3.16 on his eye black. And again, this, this, this eye black serves to distract your eyes, but also to give you a new focal point, something else to focus on. So with Tim Tebow writing uh, John 3.16 on his eye black, in this case it was stickers. It looks like he wrote it in silver Sharpie. Uh, but you've got these gigantic humanoids, these modern-day giants, Serving their sole purpose is to take him out and to stop him from what he's doing at all costs. But what would Tim Tebow do? He would distract these modern day giants with Jesus. But it didn't stop on the field, it took the whole sports world by storm. And even people who didn't watch the game, they couldn't help but talk about Tim Tebow, about Christianity, about John 3.16 and most importantly, about Jesus. Now, this is an awesome representation of a Christian using their platform to bring awareness and to witness to the whole world and plant those seeds. But remember, you don't have to be a celebrity. You don't even have to have a platform to reach one person. Wherever that person, it might be the person that walks in your door. It might be a family member today. Now, this message I know isn't for most of you because you guys are believers, but it's also to, to serve as a reminder that we, we are those ambassadors for Christ and that it doesn't matter how big or small those giants seem, you should distract them with Jesus. Now, some people loved him, Tim Tebow, for the amazing things that he was doing, but some people despised him for the same reason, saying he has no business pushing his beliefs on us, our game, or our children. Now, the book of John, chapter 15, verse 18 says, If the world hates you, keep in mind that it hated me first. Uh, back to uh, John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believed in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Now he that believes on him is not condemned, 
But he that believes not is condemned already, because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. They have not believed on the name of Jesus. And this is the condemnation, that the light is come into the world, and that men loved darkness rather than light, because their deeds were evil. For everyone that doeth or does evil hates the light, neither come to the light unless his deeds should be reproved. So they don't come to that light unless their deeds, their sins should be exposed within them. And that's not a, ah, gotcha, like you're caught from the world. It's, it's an inner exposure. That personal realization that I, I am a sinner. And what does that look like? In, in the book of Romans, chapter 7, verse 15, it says, I do not understand what I do. For what I want to do, I do not do. But what I hate, that I do. So I don't understand what I do. I'll go back one more time. So I, I don't understand what I do, and the things that I want to do, I cannot find how to do these things. And matter of fact, the things that I actually despise, the things that I try my best not to do, the things that I actually hate, that is what I do. So that is the realization, that is that exposure of your own sinful nature. And then when the next thing that you do is you realize I need a Savior. I cannot do this on my own. What are my options? Well, we know what the option is. The option is choosing Jesus Christ. Uh, so John, the book of John, chapter 3, verse 21 says, But he that doeth truth, or the one that does truth, or comes to the truth, comes to the light, that his deeds may be made manifest, that they are wrought in God. Or that his deeds may be clearly seen, that they have been done in God. So when you come to the truth, when you come to Jesus, we know that we become a new creation. We become a new creature with that light in us. And if we choose to walk in that light, the fruit that we produce now, the light and the deeds that we do now are done in God. We are one in the body of Christ. We are one in Christ. Amen? John chapter 8, verse 32, out of the New King James Version says, And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Or the truth shall set you free. So we come to that truth. Jesus sets you free, and now the things that you do, the good that you produce, the, the light that you produce are of Jesus and, and our walk with him. Now you shall know Jesus, and Jesus will set you free. When he calls, if you are lost in the world, if you are lost in the darkness, blind and walking around in the world. Like Bartimaeus, when Jesus calls and you're met with that beautiful gospel of salvation, you throw your cloak, you toss the world aside, 
you jump up and you go running to him. Because it is your faith that has healed you. Now, when he calls, if you're no longer walking in the world and you're saved by the grace of God, and you know that you could not have done it without Christ, and you are thankful for that sacrifice that he's made for you, when he calls and you know that he has a plan for you, like me coming to Grace Grace Brethren, whether it was to serve as a worship leader, to give me the drive and and the yearning to to serve God and to get on TikTok and, and bring people to Christ, whether it's witnessing to them the gospel, answering any questions that they have about the Bible, or just talking to our neighbors and our friends. When you know that you could not have done it without Christ and you are thankful for that sacrifice, you walk in that plan. Not only do you walk in that plan, you, to- you still toss that cloak aside. You toss the world aside. You jump up and you go running to Him wherever He leads you. Because it is your faith that has healed you. So follow Him, friends. With Bartimaeus, it says, He received His sight and He followed Him down the road. And friends, that's exactly what I pray for everyone here. That no matter how good we can see, no matter how healed we are, we still choose to follow Him anywhere He leads us down that road. Let's go ahead and look to the Lord in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, I, I, I give you all the glory, all the honor, and all the praise. I am so thankful for the gifts that you've bestowed on, on me. I'm so thankful for the love that you've instilled into this congregation. Again, I, I, I'm so thankful for, for the way they raised me as a child, for the way they, they gave me that beautiful gospel, and though I wasn't ready to accept it, though I was blind, I'm, I'm thankful that it was, it was still them reading of, of that Bible, picking up that Bible that led me back to your truth, to your word. God, I'm, I'm, I'm so thankful. I pray that you continue to work in every single one of their lives. I pray that if they had any doubt, of what saved, that it was solely you, Jesus, that that they know. I pray that if they didn't know who to witness to, that I pray that you put it on their hearts, God, to give, give them the heart of the ministry of that word of reconciliation, and that they go far and wide, and they become that tree that produces the fruit, some 30, some 60, some 100, and they, they plant those seeds. God, I, I pray that, that this message only serve to edify. I pray again that this message serves to uh, echo in their hearts and, and not just stop at their hearts, but echo through uh, their, their lungs and, and through their own voices, God. And most importantly, God, I just, I just thank you for, for the work that you do in all of our lives. Um, for any new faces, I pray that 
that you, you know and you understand the beauty and the love that God has uh, for you and the plans that he has in store for you. And I pray that, that you do just what this message says. You get up, you toss the world aside, and you continue to walk and follow, follow God, follow Jesus anywhere they ask you to go and anywhere that they lead you. God, thank you again for the, the gift of salvation and believing in Jesus Christ's death, burial, and resurrection for us. In your holy name I pray, amen. I'd like to invite the musicians back up here to sing one last song.